welcome to episode nine of Inside Your Head, the podcast and blog that explores psychology, mental health, neuroscience, self-help and related subjects. I'm your host, Henry Hyde, and this is a short clip from today's main interview. It's just that euphoria, that 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 feeling. It's, it's, it's a natural high, isn't it? I mean, oh. I, I know and a lot of my singers complain about this, and me too. We go home after a choir gig and can't peel ourselves off the ceiling <laughs> for a good hour. And I'll get an email two days later going, thanks for that. I've still got this song in my head as an earworm. Oh, but yeah. it's, it's all those good feelings that are associated with it. I sang with a lady a couple of weeks ago on a Friday, and she messaged me on Sunday and said, I am still on a high from wow. Friday, just from what we achieved, what she achieved um, emotionally, really. So I, I wonder how long those chemicals last with us. I, I did, I, I poll my, my singers quite a lot, particularly the ones online where I can't quite get a gauge for how they're feeling. Yeah, yeah. How long does the positive effects of singing last? Is it just while you're singing? Is it going to the evening? Um, is it all week? And a lot of them have ticked the option was, it brightens my whole life. That was the voice of Carrie Olson Porthouse, a remarkable woman who has done incredible work putting together singing groups and choirs of people from all over the United Kingdom and within her own local community, uh, bringing them together to sing songs and to raise money for charity. Uh, I was particularly struck by the work that she's done with intensive care unit workers in the NHS helping to raise their morale but also to raise substantial amounts of money for charity which helps to bring relief to these extraordinary medical staff who've been right in the front line of the pandemic over the last couple of years. So stick around for my interview with Carrie Elson Porthouse coming later in the show. Now you may recall that at the end of my introduction last time, I mentioned something that I'm going to discuss with you today. I had a bit of a eureka moment in the process of having a conversation with a good friend of mine. And I thought I'd share it with you because it covers a range of subject matter, a wide range of subject matter that you might want to go and check out for yourself. And I'll put some links in the show notes underneath here. Now, what I realised was, because uh, I've been doing a lot of the work recently, I'm still not a completely fixed kind of guy and I've still got my own problems, but I do do the work. I do put the work in and I do a lot of reading and uh, a lot of what you might say turns out to be kind of comparative study work uh, because I find that absolutely fascinating. I read very widely. I never just read one book about a thing. I'll read several books about things. And in the process of my reading, I something suddenly occurred to me. I mean, a lot of our problems in life, a lot of our uh, depression, a lot of our anxiety, a lot of our rumination and so on, comes about uh, because we have trouble regulating our emotions and thoughts and emotions arise and they tend to kind of take us over like a tidal wave sometimes and we feel like we're in danger of drowning underneath them. And I think it's fair to say that uh, I've certainly suffered from that in the last year in particular and certainly you know since I was first diagnosed with prostate cancer and they put me on this 
Prostap uh, chemical, which kind of sends your emotions totally squiffy, absolutely totally squiffy. And uh, so I've been fighting for the best part of, yeah, certainly two years now uh, to kind of overcome this sense of overwhelm, finding ways to, you know, defeat my demons, as it were. And it sent me scurrying off onto the library shelves and book shop shelves and you know a certain large online bookseller let's be honest uh hunting down stuff that might be helpful and there are three things uh and i mentioned them kind of in the order in which i discovered them uh the first is mindfulness uh, the second is attachment theory and the third which is kind of the most recent revelation as far as I'm concerned is transactional analysis which I'll probably dedicate a program to at some point in the future because wow it's powerful stuff and it's really helped me to understand myself and other people much better. Now the point is uh, when it comes to emotionally regulating ourselves so I, I kind of do them in re reverse order actually let's start with the transactional analysis now you may never have heard of transactional analysis or it's some kind of uh you know hocus pocus thing but in fact what TA, the basis of ta is is that each of us within us has uh, a parent an adult and a child or at least we ought to uh, there are some people who are defective in one or other of those uh, areas of their personality and those people are often very mentally ill and need very uh, skillful intervention by trained therapists. But even uh, for most of us, I say we've got this kind of balance or imbalance within us of the parent, adult and child, uh, which uh, kind of determines how we react to stuff, how we live our lives, how we interact with other people. The key thing is it's primarily to do with relationships, um, but also can be seen as how we regulate ourselves. Uh, in very simple terms, your parent... Uh, might come as a surprise, is everything you've absorbed from your early childhood, your parents, in the first four or five years of your life. And it kind of, uh, it's almost like you, you, in those early years when you're not really capable of your own thinking processes, you're kind of acting like, um, you know, a recording device. And you're just kind of religiously taking almost verbatim notes of everything you learn and hear and witness from your parents, for good or ill. And when you think about your inner parent, many of the things that you just take as, well, these are the rules for life. Um, or And sometimes they can be really silly things. Like, uh, I can think of my mum, bless her heart, my late mother. Uh, some of the things that I now realise I've picked up from her uh, very early in life is, is things like, you know, always polish your shoes. Um, Always wash your hands. Um, always, and here's a funny one. Always go out wearing clean underwear in case you get ro run over. <laughs> right? 
Yeah, some of these things can be really bizarre, but there you are. There's other things like people say, oh, you must never put a hat on the table. You must always, another thing from my mum, oh, you, you must always have neck curtains. You must always draw the neck curtains. Make sure you draw the curtains. Uh, make sure you polish the front doorstep. What would the neighbours think, right? All that kind of, those kind of admonitions. I mean, there's also some stuff that I now realise probably came from my dad because my dad was a craftsman and a carpenter and did all kinds of things like never pick up a knife by the blade. Always pick it up by the handle. Never hand a knife to someone else uh, blade first because they might injure themselves, obviously, you know. Never hand uh, someone a pair of scissors that isn't closed. Um you know, this is basic kind of health and safety regulation stuff you could, you could see. Those, those kind of things are, you know, included in your inner parent. They can also, they can be more serious things, you know, things that are slightly more problematic. It could be that if, you, if you're a member of a particular religious group, one of the things that you may have grown up with is, well, you must never marry someone from a different religious group or ethnic group or something of that kind. Those are the sorts of things that are deeply embedded in the parent within you, okay? Now, we also have a child within us, and the child is often, you know, the, one of the problematic elements because the child goes through life, you know, starts life in a position of, uh, of, of what the experts would call, I'm not okay, Right. The, the relationship with the parent is the parents are OK. The parents six foot tall and, you know, big and strong and has all the power and the money and everything. The child is the default position is I'm not OK because I'm small. I'm squishy. I'm tiny. I rely on you completely for my survival. So, of course, I'm not OK. And uh, that can resurface in later life. You can, you can, if you think about it, realise that you've been going through life acting, and this is what you have to be careful with. This is child, if you like, with a capital C. It's not, you're not necessarily being childish, but you are potentially being dominated by your inner child if you find that, for example, you need reassurance about almost everything you do you need what are called strokes you need to be calmed down you need to be sated you need, you know let's go back to survival again. you need to be fed you need to be watered you need to have your nappy changed and all those things and there are if you like uh, in an adult life there are ways that these things can manifest themselves could be in the workplace it's often in relationships you know where one partner or the other can play the find themselves playing the part of the victim or wanting to be punished this is all really complicated stuff so this is just a brief overview our inner adult is the part of us which say listens to that advice that the parents trying to give you you must always go out wearing clean underpants right let's take my silly example and the adult within us is the is the one that goes why? The adult within us is the one that asks the, the questions. Uh, the adult within us is the one that if you actually were to confront your parents, you know, I mean, I can think of my having very uh, difficult conversations with my parents when I realised that they, for example, voted a particular uh, way in uh, elections, uh, which I found perplexing. 
And so my adult would engage and ask the question, why? And often someone whose parent is dominant doesn't like being questioned, doesn't like someone asking them, so why are you saying that? Right? And in the same way, the adult can soothe the child within us. The adult can uh, really um, regulate our emotions. And so the, the, the role of transactional analysis is to try and uh, help us to uh, be rational beings, to have rational conversations, not just with other people, and recognise that sometimes they're acting as parent or they're acting as child. And what we want to do is try and help them to emphasize the adult within them so we can have nice calm adult adult conversations right but it's also true within ourselves so when we can look back at our lives and this is what I've been doing lately I can see now oh wow yeah that was my inner child acting up there and now I've recognized those behaviors within myself I can if something similar crops up again I can tr do my best you know I'm not guaranteed success but I can do my best now to think to think that's a good word powerful word to think about how I'm reacting and react as an adult and not as a child or not engaging my inner parent so that's transactional analysis which is I've got to tell you absolutely fascinating stuff and I've barely scratch the surface the next thing of course is attachment theory which is something I've mentioned in this show before now attachment theory um, kind of uh, again giving a very brief overview divides us in relationship terms up into three types of people when we approach relationships there's the avoidant type who basically does as it sounds like, doesn't like talking about their emotions, uh, locks everything away, uh, shuts everything up inside, uh, you know, can basically be a bit of a, a, of a relationship wrecker, can verge on the narcissistic, you know, in, in worst case scenario, but they're basically people who don't like to talk about or share their emotions, which of course can, you know, for someone who's not like that and is trying to have a relationship with this person can be extremely frustrating. At the other end of the scale, we've got the ambivalent or sometimes known as anxious personality type who wants to be loved, wants to do the right thing, wants to, uh, you know, share everything with their partner, uh, you know. And the danger there is that they can end up kind of playing games to get attention, particularly, of course, if they find themselves in a relationship with an avoidant personality, you know, that an avoidant personality, an ambivalent personality, mm, that's a tricky match. Uh, they're not going to find satisfaction in one another because the avoidant person will feel overwhelmed by the ambivalent personality and the ambivalent personality will feel like they're just getting nothing back. You know, all their emotional effort is being wasted on this person who doesn't return that kind of love in kind. In the middle, what we'd all like to be, really, I think, is the secure personality, the person who is 
this is how I am, take it or leave it. You know, they're not frightened of showing their emotion. They're certainly not frightened of getting engaged in a long-term relationship. They're not frightened of showing their love and affection for someone. They've got nothing to fear. Uh, at the same time, they don't. if they feel like they're being mistreated, they're, you know, perfectly capable of standing up for themselves and saying, well, this is what I need in the relationship and stating that very clearly so that there's no kind of misunderstanding and obviously so you know if you can see what I was just saying about transactional analysis there's a kind of a parallel going on there isn't there where if you like what we all want in transactional analysis is to achieve this kind of adult status who's calm and steady and able to face difficult stuff without getting into a flap and in relationship terms that's what the secure personality effectively is is the adult who doesn't make up stories doesn't play games is there and solid and available but at the same time won't take any messing about okay so those are two different ways already of kind of looking at, OK, this is what I want to achieve. I want to uh, find, you know, explore these ways of regulating my emotions so that I can be the adult, so that I can be secure. OK, the other thing I mentioned is mindfulness. Now, mindfulness doesn't kind of divide us up into types like that. But what mindfulness can be is a really powerful tool for helping us to regulate and cope with big emotions, difficult situations, even physical pain. Okay, because what mindfulness teaches us, often through the form of meditation of one kind or another, but it doesn't have to be through meditation, the practice of mindfulness gives us. A, you know, it teaches us to create some distance between ourselves and difficult emotions, feelings, thoughts, so that we're not overwhelmed by them. We don't deny that these difficult emotions and so forth exist, but what we do is we kind of see them coming, we see them arriving, and almost literally, and it can be literally, we take a deep breath and we pause so that instead of reacting immediately and often badly, of course, to these difficult situations and emotions, what we do instead is we give ourselves the space to respond to. And reacting and responding are two very different things, aren't they? I'm sure that we're all aware of occasions where we're guilty of just reacting, like a knee-jerk reaction to something, and other times where we've taken the time to pause briefly and then calmly respond to what's happening. And obviously, you know, all sorts of factors can play into our ability to either react or respond. But the preferable way of dealing with stuff is to thoughtfully respond to what's going on rather than to simply react. So that's where mindfulness can be very useful. And of course, 
again, this is just the briefest overview because I just made this connection between transactional analysis, attachment theory and mindfulness as all being ways of helping us to regulate our emotions. Now, that's all I'm going to say on that specifically, but um, this is going to be a slightly longer introduction today because I happen to be on Twitter the other day and just by chance, I mean, Twitter's the most extraordinary place. It can be, mm, sometimes it can be a bit humdrum with, oh, look, another cat picture. But sometimes you just stumble across the most extraordinary stuff. And I happen to stumble upon a thread of tweets by a wonderful lady called Miranda, who goes under at M-I-R underscore A-N-D underscore A. I'll put the links to her Twitter account and to her blog and stuff, uh, obviously in the show notes. And I sought and got her permission to do what I'm about to do, because this thread of hers... Call, which she titled How to Stop Out-of-Control Emotions is just fantastic. You know, if, if I, I wanted to do useful stuff for you listeners and this is one of the most useful things I've seen encapsulated so neatly in such a long time. I just have to effectively read it to you because I appreciate that not all of you are on Twitter right? Twitter's one of those places. Some people go, oh, you wouldn't catch me on Twitter. Uh, and other people are like, they're glued to it almost all day long. I'm somewhere in between, right? I, I recognise that some bits of Twitter are you know, pretty horrible, but there's other bits of Twitter that are simply fantastic, like this uh, person who has shared this amazing thread. So let me start. Um, she calls it a quick and dirty guide to taking back control when it feels like emotion is taking over. First, we must understand how negative emotions form and escalate. One, a problem situation enters our awareness. Two, pre-existing factors may make us more vulnerable to strong emotions. Three, thoughts and interpretations may increase the emotion's intensity. So, she says, let's expand on points two and three. So, point two, vulnerability factors. Too much or too little sleep too much or too little food or exercise, drugs or alcohol, physical illness, medication or lack thereof, and past events, these are all common ones. Uh, these can all mentally drain us, weakening our emotional resilience and making us vulnerable to strong emotions. Point three, thoughts and interpretations. Often it's not the problem itself, but rather our judgments about a situation that can cause and escalate emotions. For example, imagine your close friend forgets your birthday and you feel very hurt. Much of the hurt is likely a result of the assumptions and judgments that we make, such as she doesn't care about me, she must be mad at me, she can't be bothered to make time for me. We don't know that any of these things are true, but our brain runs wild with, with these thoughts if we let them in. So, OK, now that we've established how strong emotions take hold, let's get into what happens next. Emotions spark a number of reactions. One, physical response. Two, a mental response. Three, physical action urges. Four, mental and verbal action urges. What do these mean? 
One, physical response means things like a racing heart, sweating, tightness in the chest, nausea, a clenched jaw and so on. Two, the mental response is our thoughts, interpretations, judgments and assumptions. For example, thoughts of blaming ourselves or others, catastrophic thinking and so on. Three, physical action urges are things like punching someone or something, fleeing or physically avoiding the situation, crying, drinking and so on. Four, mental or verbal action urges are things like yelling, problem solving, talking to someone, journaling, ruminating and so on. When feeling out of control with emotion, the trick is to stop and consider each of these things. So thoughts and interpretations, vulnerability factors, physical responses, mental responses, physical action urges and mental and verbal action urges. Writing these out is helpful and if you go and take a look at her Twitter thread you, you'll see this. Once you've paused to become aware of these factors your emotion has likely already decreased in intensity. Remember we were talking about mindfulness and having that pause? So here's how to proceed from there, she says. One, address the physical. So intentionally relax your muscles, practice some deep breathing, do a body scan meditation and remedy any physical vulnerabilities if possible. Two, address the mental stuff. Challenge faulty thoughts and assumptions and judgments. Problem solve if possible or accept the situation if not. Three, consider the consequences of your action urges. Will doing this actually make the situation better or worse? If it's effective, then act calmly and rationally. If it's ineffective, return to one and two. If the emotion is too intense to focus on coping, distract yourself or self-soothe until the intensity has reduced. Here's some ideas for distraction and self-soothing. Watching some TV, listening to music, going for a walk, doing some drawing, doing some intense physical exercise, eating a favourite food, uh, put an ice pack on your face for 30 seconds, okay? A distraction and self-soothing is to be used only to reduce extreme distress. Don't use it for moderate emotions and follow up with actual coping. So, addressing the mental response is often the hardest part and is a large part of therapy. So she gives some words of advice. Let go of pride. Consider the other person's perspective. Give time and space for reflection. Be willing to challenge your own thoughts. And separate your thoughts from the facts and writing stuff down or journaling can be really helpful in this regard. If you can master the process laid out here, you'll notice a drastic improvement in your ability to regulate your emotions. If you use the techniques in this thread, Miranda would love to hear from you and how it went. So, she says thanks for reading and I'll put the links to her marvellous blog and her Twitter account in the show notes below. But I think you'll agree with me that that's marvellous advice. Uh, she says that this is adapted from DBT skills training handouts and worksheets by Marsha Lynham. Uh, so that's to make sure that the credit properly goes down the line as well. But 
Huge thanks to Miranda for giving me permission to read that stuff out, because I think that's incredibly useful. And I hope that you, my listeners, agree. So there we are. Bit of a big introduction today, but I hope you found it worthwhile and interesting. And coming up next is the main interview. If you're enjoying the show, please consider subscribing via your normal podcast player, such as Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon or Spotify. You can also support the show directly via our coffee page at ko-fi.com slash inside your head, all one word. That's coffee.com slash inside your head, where you can make donations in multiples of just £3, the equivalent of a cup of coffee. All donations are gratefully received and go directly to the production costs of the show. Thank you. Inside Your Head, Episode 9. Now today, something with a difference. Goodness me, we like to ring the changes on this show, don't we? And I'm sure we're all aware of the power of music to affect our mood. And I've got someone with me today who didn't just think that, didn't just do that, actually did something really important with that knowledge and set about changing other people's lives as well as her own through music. I'm absolutely delighted to have on the show Carrie Olson Porthouse. Hello there, Carrie. Morning, how are you? I'm I'm better now. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> we were talking about that before the show, having had the snuffles for a few days. Carrie, I'm absolutely delighted. I actually put out I seem to remember a few weeks ago, put out a call on Twitter. Oh, if there's anyone like to come on the show, does anything interesting, get in touch. And I think it was within sort of 30 seconds (laughs) you'd send me an instant message. I like like a bit of Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Within 30 seconds, you sent me this message. Oh, oh, I don't know if you'd be interested, but I do this. And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll I'll go and take a look. And wow, I was more than interested. I was really impressed. So thanks very much for responding in that way. I wish more people would. Some people on Twitter are very kind of aloof, aren't they? Not oh, yeah. I don't necessarily want actual contact with someone. Oh, no, no, no. Real people. Oh. Real people actually doing social, social media. Weird. But there we go. But I was absolutely delighted that you got in touch. And as I say, fascinated with your story. Now, Let's start kind of at the beginning before we talk about, you know, what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite important to get s- some background about you. So tell us a bit about, you know, where you're from, you know, what you've been doing with your life kind of up to now and, you know, your, your career, because you, you didn't start out as someone who did a lot of singing, no, were you? No. So, so tell us a bit about yourself then, Carrie. So uh, I was born in Nottingham. Uh, I grew up here and I went to university to do performance art. So I majored right. in music and um, I spent more time doing technical theatre, quite honestly. <laughs> right. And I'm also not a singer, which <laughs> I should right. say that. I never was a singer and I still don't class myself as a singer. Um, right. From there, I went to work in advertising. So I worked as a video editor 
um, right. making the actual adverts for TV. And that was great. And I had a whole career doing that for about 10 years. And then I went into primary school teaching. Right. Um, which was a bit a bit of a change. Not quite as much of a change as you might think. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. You couldn't possibly comment. Um, and then, and then from that, so while I was a primary school teacher, I eventually ended up being head of music, and then I ended up just teaching music in primary schools. It's quite unusual to have a specialist teacher. We yeah. had five in our primary school, so it was great. Wow. Um, and I, I set up a school choir. I'd had several school choirs. And then I thought, well, why should all this joy and wonder be just for the children? So I thought I'd set up a choir within the school for yeah. the parents and anybody else who wanted to join. Uh, yeah. And that was my first sort of go at it, really, could I make this work just as well for adults? And you know, I started my choir, and within about half an hour, it was definitely our choir. It was wow. quite special. The 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 feeling and the community that it built just from that little seed. And it wasn't all parents in the end. It was about 50-50. Right. So quite a small choir. And that was, we had about 45 there, and that was at, Ch at Churchfield Primary School in Kent. And then we right. decided to make the family move back up to Nottingham. Right. Uh, where I'm from so that was that was my trial run at it could I make this into a you know a viable business so I could leave teaching and just oh. I say just be a choir director yeah. and I did so we, we we moved to Westbridge for just outside Nottingham um, I spent a term getting everybody else settled get the children settled in their schools my husband settled in his job unpacked oh. some of the boxes from the house move obviously and then I launched a community choir in the January and we had 128 on the opening night and wow. Quite honestly, it's not really got any smaller. And there are loads of community choirs in my town. Don't don't think that I've just come along and filled oh, really? them. There are several. And I've worked out which days they were all on and what kind of level they were providing. Mm. And my, my, my model is it's very much I teach everything by ear. Uh, you don't need to read sheet music. I don't audition. You own, The only stipulation is I'd like to be over the age of 16 and like singing. That's it. Right. Help, well, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll come back to the criteria sort of yeah. later in the show, right? Because uh, I think there's there's quite a lot to ask about you, uh, even uh, you know, it, kind of right back at the beginning. So, mm -hmm. music was in your blood in some way, was it? I mean, was it, yeah. did you yeah. grow up loving music? What, what did you have a family that was musical? We, I, I, I just sang a lot. I, you know, I was in all the school plays and, and I sang a lot. And, and even now when I'm arranging songs and picking out harmonies and people are going, oh, how do you do that? I, I don't know. It just, it's just in there. And it mm. kind of just, sometimes I'm planning a song and I go in my studio and go to sing and I don't actually know what I'm going to sing until I open my mouth. And lo and behold, it's usually right. <laughs> or it usually right. works at some level. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I played clarinet um, as a child. Well, from 13. This was back in the good old days. When your yeah. music lessons were free. Oh, goodness me, yes. Yeah, it was a very long time ago. Um, and then I had piano lessons when I was doing A-level music um, right. up at, up at Sixth Form College and carried on both of those instruments. Uh, I don't play my clarinet much anymore, mm. uh, but I do still have piano lessons. Oh, right. Oh, I, that's I lovely. Love it. Yes, I love it. That's lovely. So you had a kind of um, not a not a formal music education in the sense of going off to the Royal College of Music no, or something like not, that. No. But music was part of your life and yeah. expressing yourself musically and and appreciating music was yeah. was part of your life. Mm -hmm. And then you obviously carried that across when you became a primary school teacher then, yeah. because obviously Music's a wonderful thing for kids, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that? You know, the, the way that, because obviously so many academic 
in inverted commas subjects mm. can kind of be sort of almost divisive amongst children but music kind of brings kids together doesn't it it does and it's it's a great leveler so when I was teaching just music in the primary schools the the children I went into their classes and they knew I didn't know who was clever at maths who was best at this because it didn't mm. matter for mm. that hour that I was teaching them it didn't matter um I was talking about this the other day to somebody there was a little girl she was in year four and I'd given her a solo to do. She did the, oh, I don't want a lot for Christmas. I'd given oh, her this right. little solo. She was absolutely brilliant. She had a really grown-up voice without sounding fake and pretentious with yeah. it. Anyway, she sent me a Christmas card that year. And as soon as I opened this Christmas card and looked at the sort of level of her handwriting and literacy skills, I mm. thought, oh, crikey. she's." And I, I'd had no idea. And what she'd written was, dear Mrs. Olson, Thank you for giving me the solo this Christmas. Um, I don't know where I'd be without you. Oh. And this poor little girl who probably struggles through most of her school day, yeah. being in the bottom of just about everything, had shone. And yeah. and I'd been able to to provide that for her. And I just I just I wanted to cry. She's a lovely little girl, actually. Mm. I wonder mm. if she's still singing. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? Wouldn't it be? I I, I can't imagine she isn't, to be honest. Well, then you like on the X Factor or something like that, maybe. Oh, who oh, knows? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Who knows who you might have coached over those years? Who knows? <laughs> uh, now, that's that's really interesting uh, because uh, I have memories myself of, um, I mean, my mum used to play the piano. My dad sang a bit. Uh, mm. Played the banjo. I think that was a thing he picked up in, during wartime. Actually, all right. Second World War, he learned the banjo. He was stationed over in Canada for a while, and the banjo is kind of big and country music type mm. of stuff over there. Uh, but I can remember having piano lessons. Yes, when I was a youngster, and uh, the instrument that stuck with me, actually, I mentioned before the show, was the recorder. I was in the recorder group, and later in life, I joined a medieval reenactment group where the recorder and all that kind of music, yeah. medieval uh, Renaissance music, is like big time stuff mm. so that played useful drums and stuff and the thing is uh, I've just always seen it as kind of a gift that was given to me that I yeah. had this appreciation of music and the thing is I mean obviously the show you know this, this show and the blog and everything it talks a lot about mental health issues and psychology mm. and of course in those terms music is really powerful stuff yeah. and also what you do in terms of uh, people sharing music in groups mm -hmm. as well is really powerful stuff do, do you want to talk a bit about that well I think I think everybody feels a bit better when we sing we all know we stick the radio on we sing a song and, and the mood's lifted but something incredible happens when we sing together it's almost like that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts mm. when you just get that bit right and you nail a certain harmony, or you just you just connect. There's some weird connection. Have you ever had that thing where you? I did this once with, with I was singing with one other person, and mm. I think I think our sound waves must have aligned somehow. Yeah. It sounds really freaky, and mm. I can only. It was a very emotional sort of reaction, almost like a oh, crikey. It, it was, and you get that when you sing in in a large group. There's something mm. incredibly special about about it musically and as part of the community. Um, and I, I love it. I, I love to. I love to watch it unfolding in front of me with with a choir. Mm. I love. I love it when a couple of my choir go out for a drink together and they send a photograph. And I know they didn't know each other before they, yeah. they started being at choir. And now yeah. they're doing something together. Or two of my ladies. One was offering another one a lift home for a while. 
and mm. and then they, they they said oh, we, we we've been singing in the car on the way home and oh, can we, can we have a singing lesson because we we quite like a little help with bit this you know bit of help with this and that and it's that it's those connections it's and it, it's friendships people are building friendships and I think mm. particularly at the moment it's um it's incredibly important to have your community and your friends around you yeah absolutely um now i mean and in in technical terms of course in neuroscientific terms we're talking about uh serotonin cortisol and endorphins and you yes. said something about that on your website do you, so yeah. do you want to explain that to people it's just that euphoria that 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 feeling it's, it's, it's a natural high isn't it i mean right. I, I know and a lot of my singers complain about this and me too we go home after a choir gig and can't peel ourselves off the ceiling for a good <laughs> hour and i'll get an email two days later going thanks for that i've still got this song in my head as an earworm oh, but yeah. it's, it's all those good feelings that are associated with it i sang with a lady a couple of weeks ago on a friday and she messaged me on sunday and said i am still on a high from friday just from what we achieved what she achieved um emotionally really so i I wonder how long those chemicals last with us i I did i I poll my my singers quite a lot particularly the ones online where i can't quite get a gauge for how they're feeling yeah yeah. how long does the positive effects of singing last is it just while you're singing is it going to the evening um is it all week and a lot of them have ticked the option was it brightens my whole life wow I mean, it's just, it's, it's mm. powerful, isn't it? And it's, yeah. it's not a particularly difficult thing to do. If you've got to if yeah. you can speak, you can sing. And obviously some people are nicer to listen to than others, but I show, I've got this, this fantastic app that I downloaded to make, right. my, make my point. Uh, if I play my piano, I play a note on my piano in this app. It's pure. It's, right. you know, it's, it's a proper note. If I sing it, it'll wobble. I'm a yeah. person. It wobbles. If we sang it together, it will wobble less. Yeah. If five of us sang, it wobbles even less. And by the time you've got 10 or 20, it's not really wobbling at all. So it's literally yeah. visual proof mm. that all the lumps and bumps that you're not particularly happy about in your voice. And randomly, this worked. Uh, this works when we're face to face, obviously in a room. Yeah. It also works with all the virtual recordings I've done. Oh, wow. So people have watched me on YouTube with one earphone in and sang into their phones sent me this completely naked track that's just their voice and as i layer yeah. them on all the sort of nogging bits and just the bits that aren't quite right kind of disappear they it's, all harmonize basically it's very odd i'm, I'm quite interested in it. it's very odd <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's there's science behind this folks yeah, there will yes if, yes there will if be. you happen to know the science do write in yeah, or let make, in the comments underneath the show notes do do explain to it uh, as uh, uh, how it how it works but it is extraordinary um and the other thing is okay so because th- I, I think this is another thing that some people are uh really self-conscious about their hmm. voices and you know you you said casually there oh well if you can speak you can sing hmm, some people probably need a bit of convincing about that uh, they, do. they absolutely do People are very rude about their own singing as well. Yes, yeah. So how do you go about convincing them otherwise? Stick them in a choir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, obviously, I can, I can help you with that. Just being in a choir will help yeah. you with that. Because if you stick somebody who's a bit unsure about their voice amongst mm. a lot of people who are a bit more confident, they yeah. will grab. It's quite a skill to carry on singing out of tune when everybody else is singing the right thing. Yeah. 
I mean, there, there are people that can do it, obviously. And I'm yeah, not an yeah. idiot, you know, but there are people that are much nicer to listen to than others. I, I, I do know that. But largely, when you come together, you people will sort of do a choir performance or listen to a recording and go, oh, was that me? Was I Was I actually in that? Well, well yeah, yeah, of course you were. Everybody. When, when people send recordings, and granted, there are some recordings that are brilliant and there are some recordings that are not quite so good. And I've, I'm dealing with people who are singing in different rooms with the, with the phone at different speed. So really, I'm yeah. just balancing. I never leave anybody out. Right. You wouldn't get to a gig, would you, and say, right, we're going to do this song, or can you just not sing this bit, please? <laughs> Rude. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. Everybody's mixed in there, and that's, that's the beauty of it. I would much rather our performances sounded like us on a really good day than sounding polished and proper. And right. it, it has to be real. Uh, and yeah. don't get me wrong, if it's not up to my standard to sing at in public, we won't sing it. Right. We, we've done this before. I had a, I've got a very small choir of 20 ladies. We rehearse in a hair salon. It's oh, tiled, right. It's tiled, so the acoustics are nice. Wow. And uh, and she, there was they'd obviously had a chat, these ladies, and they'd obviously yeah. put a spokesperson forward. And she came forward and said, um, I, we don't think we're ready to perform these songs. I said, okay. Oh, wow. Um, I, I don't agree. I, I've got absolutely no interest at all in having you stand up and sing and, and be rubbish why would i why would i want to do that but yeah. i hear you so what we'll do is we'll sing each song tonight and at the end of each song we'll give it a mark out of 10 and if there's anything under seven we'll we'll ditch it okay okay we'll do that and we go through it it's seven yeah. eight nine seven seven none of them were under seven none of them and she got to the end and she went yeah all right all right okay, we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> But they just need they just needed to know they needed to they needed to hear it themselves. Yeah, they, yeah. they just wanted a bit of confidence. And they were great. Yeah. Absolutely great. Have you actually ever had any formal voice coaching yourself? I've had one singing lesson. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just the one. That's why I say I'm not a singer. I know how to get the best out of my singers. Uh, yeah. I I know how to I know how to teach it. I've done a course. I did a great course on gesture and voice, which was fabulous. Oh. I did used to teach one-to-one singing lessons, and I'm very, very blunt. I, I, I'm not trained to do. It. I can get you to sing better, yeah. um, but I'm not trained to do it. Um, my, so my qualifications are actually mu- well, performance art, music, um, and psychology. I've yet to discover which oh. one is more useful. I think it might be both. <laughs> wow! So you've actually studied psychology? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah fascinating open university that was uh, late yeah while I, while I was working in advertising I was did not university wow that's well blimey I have to get you on for a completely different conversation <laughs> at some point in the future when I that oh that, let that slip very good very good that's but that is that's really interesting that you've, mm. you've also studied that's the subject yes fascinating stuff because um I'm uh well, actually, let's dwell on that for a moment, because I think uh, one of the things about participating in music, uh, particularly for people who've been going through a tough time, let's face it, and we're going to talk more about this, obviously, in specific terms, about people who, you know, almost everyone's had a tough time, one kind or another, in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. with the strange world of the pandemic, yeah. of COVID, of isolation, of lockdowns and all that weirdness and I can certainly say as someone who's self-employed it's been a very strange couple of years and I had prostate cancer in the middle of it as well so oh yeah yeah it's all been I'm still here you know (laughs) it's all been very weird 
and I think a lot of people, and I'm, and I'm encountering them now as I'm meeting people again who I haven't seen for a couple of years. Uh, in fact, I was at an event a couple of weeks ago uh, that had been you know, postponed for like two years. Mm. And I uh, bumped into a load of people I haven't seen for ages. And uh, because they know I'm doing this show, a lot of them were very keen to start talking to me about what they'd been through in the last mm. couple of years. It was kind of a, an overwhelming experience, I have to say. Yeah. But... Um, it also, you know, I'm I'm conscious of the fact that the, particularly when people are in isolation, morale can drop rapidly, mood yeah. can drop rapidly, uh, because all the normal things that we were doing day to day, all the people we were seeing day to day, were just mm -hmm. kind of suddenly vaporized around us, didn't yeah. they? And that's traumatic. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. That's a traumatic experience for many people. And obviously, there are all kinds of therapies that people have been experimenting with. I mean, the, the whole psychology self-help business has exploded in the last couple yeah. of years as people have been kind of looking for solutions. And obviously, for some people, and it would be nice if it was for more, music has provided a genuine release hasn't it yes yeah. you know if there's there's a type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy which is you know to do with um basically uh not setting your targets too high because you don't want to set yourself up to fail but basically mm -hmm. doing something that's good for you a little bit every day kind of thing you know i'm yeah. grossly oversimplifying obviously because yeah. it's a big subject but something like participating in a reg on a regular basis in something like a choir Mm -hmm. uh, and for some people maybe even newly discovering a talent they might have you yeah. know if you if you've managed to pluck up the courage to say oh go on I'll give it a go I've never really done any singing before mm. but I'll give it a go they might discover that actually they're quite a good baritone or alto or soprano or whatever it happens to be you know and it it uh, doors can open not, yes. not necessarily for fame and fortune but just wow uh, it's a, it's a release it's yeah because the other thing about singing it's a physical thing isn't it yes yes right it's not just a cerebral thing oh i'm going to start doing crosswords you know and some people mm -hmm. i'm sure get a real thrill out of doing crosswords really well or sudoku <laughs> right but music and singing in particular it's a physical activity yes yeah do you want to talk a bit about that well, what what I'd like to talk about as well is is is, is the whole being online thing. That mm. obviously choir's got a really bad press um, in, in the mm. pandemic. Uh, you know, we didn't get back together for absolutely ages, so we sung online, right. uh, and it is still a being and a doing thing. Although yeah. I can't hear them. Have you ever tried right. to sing Happy Birthday to somebody on Zoom? A whole family thing. I say <laughs> the delay between the internet is 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 horrendous. <laughs> Yeah. So what I did find was that people were, were joining in online. So as I'm teaching a part, ordinarily, I would teach a part to the altos and everybody else yeah. would have to kind of sit there and wait for their turn. And what people were doing was, like, I'm going to have a go at that. I'm going to have a go. I, I don't normally sing that part. I'm going to have a go. And they could do what they liked because there, yeah. was, there was no holds barred. They, they, nobody could hear them. It didn't matter if they got it wrong. And so when we came to do our virtual recordings and when people were submitting recordings, we did Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road in six parts. Two of my ladies submitted all six parts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> just just for the hell of it. <laughs> wow. It was, it was great. So it, 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 it allowed them to do that. What, what a lot of people, what I have found is going back, because we've just gone back to choir in September. We went back, although I've split yeah. my choir in half. Yeah. 
my my community choir because there's 130 of them and wow that's too much in one room for me at the at the moment yeah. i've still got several choirs that's online that will stay online wow. but when we did get back together the the downside was because they've been singing at home on zoom and yes it's physical and they're getting their words but they're not doing it very loudly because oh, their right. son and daughter are asleep upstairs oh right. they don't want to wake the neighbors up or disturb the dog so oh. so lots of people haven't been singing out yeah, so yeah. quite a lot of the stuff we've done going back we've done breathing and and grounding because they've all mm. sat down to sing i make them stand up up down up down it keeps them awake and yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> ground your feet open your chest sing from your from your stomach like you're yeah. supposed to and let it out so yeah. they've been they've been kind of learning online and of course there's all that but we go oh i'll just i'll just check my phone while i'm here and i'll just have a little yeah, go yeah, on yeah. instagram or distractions or I yeah i won't completely concentrate oh, i'll just turn my camera off and go and make a cup of tea because i don't like this song all those things right. they've had to refocus and also in my zoom sessions i i ran them for an hour quite frankly anything more than an hour on zoom was too much for me never yeah. mind them the re- in-person rehearsals are fortnightly and they're two hours right wow to. and i do remember one of my ladies saying to me Oh, I thought about this, you know, I thought, can I be bothered? Can I be bothered to put some proper clothes on and some lipstick and actually go <laughs> out and see some people? And she came to the, one of the smaller choirs and said, as soon as we sang together, she went, oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, I can now be bothered I to do it, this. Yeah. I, I remember, yeah. I, I remember yeah. why, why it was worth doing. Yeah. So that, now, that's great. yeah, the, the, all this stuff, it, it's um, brilliant. And the other thing, I mean, apart from your community choirs, you decided to set up a business where you go into other businesses, into workplaces, yes. into organizations mm. and set up choirs, which is, wow, that's an extraordinary thing to do. Tell us about that project. I, I had several, not uh, two Christmases ago when we were still allowed to do this. I, I, I'd approached several people. I'd done some networking. To be fair, most of my clients come from my community choir. They'll go to their HR department and go, oh, you've got to get this woman and this is going to be brilliant. Oh, seriously? Fantastic. So I set up a little package um, and I worked with Hillary's. You know, Hillary's Blinds and Curtains. Um, yep. I've, I've just gone back to work with them again last week, actually, oh, after yeah. a two-year break. But we did we did this little package and it was two rehearsals and a performance. So we went and we, we practiced our Christmas songs. We practiced them again. And then we went and sung them on the shop floor while they were making blinds. And then off oh, we went. Seriously? Yeah, it was great. Off we went into Nottingham and we sang in the, in the centre of Nottingham and we sang at the train station and they raised some money for charity and then they carried on singing all the way down to the pub and I left an hour later and they were still singing in the pub. <laughs> and what we liked about what I said earlier about um, the singing being a great leveller, it was mm. the same in the workplaces. So nobody cared if you were one of the machinists, worked in IT, you were the chief exec mm. PA or you worked in HR. It didn't matter. And actually, when I got there and I said, do you, do you all know each other? And I go, um, no. Okay, we'll do a bit of ice breaking. And then apparently, in between sessions, they'd see each other across the shop floor. Hello, I saw you at choir. And have a little. And, and the lady that ran it, the, the HR director, said, I can't put a quantifiable number on this, but mm. it feels different. People are engaging oh. better. There is, I mean, it's it's incredibly difficult to go into a, a company and say, I can come and improve your workplace. How? Uh, I don't really know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a, a feel That's a bit nicer. Yeah. 
it's it's really it's really tricky to sort of put your finger on. I worked with yeah. the post office, uh, and they had they only oh, had yeah. about eight singers, uh, and we performed for everybody else on the the sorting office floor the Friday before Christmas, and it was, oh, wow. it was about two hundred and fifty people. They were dreading wow. it. <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've got the inflatable saxophones out and the jingle bells and everything. And it was just it was just something to, to bring people together. So I still do yeah. that online. Um, this time, it's nearly a year ago now, um, while I was on my COVID sickbed, thinking I want to do something for the NHS, but I don't know what to do. Right. I dreamt up the idea to form a choir for the intensive care workers for the NHS. Right. And... Um, I, want, I, I wanted to do this. I didn't, know, didn't quite know how to do it. And as I literally, I'm watching the BBC News and I see this lady on the news and think, ah, I know her. <laughs> I've been uh, in touch with her before, Alison Pittard. She's the Dean of the Faculty of Intensive Care Medicine. Oh, right. So we arranged a call and I said, I want to do this, 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 this. And she went, yes, 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 yes. Wow. And that was it. And she said, well, what, 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 do, you, what do you need me for? I'm like, oh, oh, I need you to go on Twitter and get them. To, to sign up because I'll go on Twitter and everybody goes, who's she? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You go on Twitter and everybody goes, oh, yeah, we'll do that. And we had over 100 signups in 48 wow. hours. Wow, that's amazing. It was supposed to be a little four-week well-being, let's sing some Christmas songs. And I kept mm. saying, Alison, stop saying the words release and single. We don't have... <laughs> We don't have the rights to this song. Because a friend of mine, Jackie Shears, decided to rewrite Every Breath You Take. Right. And then, and I arranged it and I'm going, you can't, you can't say these things. You know, oh, it's okay. We'll get the rights. And off she trots to Sony. Really? <laughs> and comes back with the rights. And we released a single. Wow. That's amazing. It was, it, everybody said you can't release a single in three weeks. Well, you don't want to tell three women of a certain age that they can't do something. <laughs> <laughs> because we did. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Because, of course, that song was originally written by Sting, wasn't yeah. it? Every breath and he take. gave all his, his royalties back into the charity. We were making a charity wow. for um, for IT, ICU workers. It was the Renew Project for them to sort of renew and regenerate after the pandemic. And unfortunately, it's a year later and uh, he's still in the thick of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, just let's pause there for a second uh, because um, I think that's an extraordinary thing because all of us can remember uh at the height of the pandemic those awful pictures on the news every night where mm. they were taking cameras into these icu units with everyone dressed up to the nines in protective gear and you know all these poor patients you know um on the oxygen and so forth being turned in the beds by you know i think that's one of the other things that we all learned was it goodness me that's how many people it takes to yes. turn a person in bed like six or eight people yeah, and how long it takes and how long it takes and just the the stress on those icu mm. uh stuff i happen to know a guy i won't name him he knows who he is lovely man who's an anesthetist who ran an icu unit all through the height of the pandemic mm. And they were working the most ridiculous hours. I mean, doctors and particularly young doctors and nurses work stupid hours anyway. Mm -hmm. But it, during the height of the pandemic, it was, uh, I think, fair to say, soul destroying yeah. for many of them uh, because of the sheer physical exhaustion. And of course, these are people who want to make their patients 
better. Yeah. They're, they're trained to, or if I, we do this, or they come in like that, we do this, do that, and then after X amount of time, they go out and they're better again. Whereas, of course, with COVID, that wasn't happening. It was yeah. breaking all the rules for a long time. And so the effect on morale in ICU units was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Now, you're one of the lucky ones, you know, uh, and, and here you are, and I'm delighted that you are. But I think that's an amazing thing. And I think you we need to pause and say, well done you for thinking of a way to give back to mm. the NHS. Um, and I think that something like a choir, I mean, it's just so out of left field. How can I help these people? I know, I'll get them singing. Uh there's, I mean, that's just a stroke of genius, Gary, absolutely. Well, the interesting thing is, they, they, we did the four weeks, and then we tacked on a carol concert because they nagged me, uh, and they've carried on. Amazing. So they, they now, they now we have the quiet, we, we're actually meeting for the first time ever in a couple of weeks to, to film wow. something together. So I've maintained, there's about 60 of them still online, we meet every fortnight. Goodness. But Alison, the dean, said she's never felt so connected to her own people they've got this incredibly supportive whatsapp group where they chat and they've all they're all in this they all get it there's this shorthand there where they all understand they don't necessarily need to talk about it Mm. but they're all there together and there's it's it's created this 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 community and again again the leveling thing and nobody, mm. I don't know if they're a doctor, a nurse, speech and language therapist, they work in pharmacy, that uh, they mm. run the reception desk. I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're all yeah. Liberty Singers. Yeah. That's, that's, that's them. But yeah, we're, we're meeting up in Nottingham uh, on the 19th to do, to, to film something together. And it'd be oh, just fantastic. nice to see, to see who's got legs. I've like, <laughs> never seen them on Zoom. How yeah. tall are you? It's, you know, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's but they're, and they are they're hilarious. This one week somebody turned and said, What is what is with the crown? Why are we wearing a crown tonight? Said, oh well, he made me do it. And then and then they then they start and then there's all this banter. And as the, the session goes on, more and more people are putting foolish things on their heads. <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a sea shanty workshop that I organized with a, a friend of mine came in oh, and really? led that. Absolutely brilliant. And there's a part in it should right, everybody grab any instruments that they've got to hand, you know wooden spoon or a, a bucket or whatever you've got and we'll join in well there are a couple of guitars a saxophone and a harp a harp <laughs> a harp who keeps a harp around <laughs> well randomly um a few weeks later she said she posted and said i know i'm supposed to be revising but i've been on tiktok and she'd played the wellerman on her harp oh seriously <laughs> was... wow and there's just these tiny little connections and little friendships being yeah. made and it's yeah. it's it's amazing so the I, these ICU stuff are they were they all local to you or nope, have they come nope. from all over the place? They're the whole UK. Wow, they are absolutely wow. all over. The and place. you're still running this, people. Yeah. They're still they're still so running, you're still like running this, and people can still get in touch and yeah. If you've worked in ICU uh, through through the pandemic, you are welcome to become an ICU Liberty singer. That's absolutely fantastic. So now you've mentioned the signal. Every breath you take. How apposite, of course, for you know the COVID pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Very clever. But uh, that the process of actually putting together this sig- single turned mm. out to be quite a logistical exercise. I understand. So because yeah. you were taking all separate recordings and bits and bo- 
go on, you tell us about the process from start to finish about, you know, okay, you say, we're going to do this. We had this idea. You got the rights to do it. Yes. Then what? So I'd, I'd arranged it into four-part harmony, and I have to record all the vocals myself so that um, the Sony can, can sign it off. That's all fine. I then got my mate Rich at, at um, Ringster Studios to, re- to recreate the whole track, every instrument, which took wow. him ages, and it was brilliant. So then what the people have to do is the ICU singers have to watch me on YouTube. I, I arrange my choir by color. So my sopranos are red, my altos are yellow got more green altos and i've got blue tenors they usually right. the men sometimes the tenor ladies you can make right. jokes of that if you want to <laughs> i <laughs> i then make a youtube video wearing the correct color t-shirt as to what color yeah. i'm conducting they follow that at home with on one device with one ear and right. sing separately into their phones and i'd said i rather foolishly said to them if you want to sing more than one part that's fine oh things i wish i hadn't said <laughs> 225 separate vocal parts. No. Yeah. So that all goes in. I've got studio at home. So that all goes into the studio. And and I just as well. Uh, yeah. I edit it on something called Ableton Live. And it's just, it's mixing. I'm basically, I'm balancing the sound, taking out anything yeah. that's that's dodgy, like a door slamming or a dog woofing. Um, yeah. Take those bits out. But but largely, I just, I just leave it as it is and make it into separate projects and then mix it all down. And then my friend Rich came and mastered it for us. And wow. and off off it went into the into the ether. We did make a very very simple video to go with that. That was just photographs. We've done one since. We did "Fix You" by Coldplay. And oh, did you? Yes, um, I can send you a YouTube link to that if you want. That's yeah, do. We did actually proper videoing for that. When I say proper videoing, it's you. Can you go and do that on your phone and send it to me? You need to do that bit. So they had they half of them were singing and half of them were signing. And then we had this thing called, it was called the PPE hugging section. So oh, right. you can film yourself at work in all your kit, just kind of coming together. And yeah. well, it's not a dry eye in the house. Oh, wow. It was quite a big deal. Um, and, and I'd said to them, I said, it's a, re- it's a really sad song. Are you sure you want to sing this? And, and the answer was, yes, we're, we're ready. We're, we're ready. We, we feel wow. sad. We're ready to sing this. Wow. Um, and they did. That's exciting because, you know, this comes back to what we were talking about earlier, isn't it? That this, the being part of a process like this, being part mm-hmm. of a project like that, is extremely cathartic for the people involved. Yeah. You know, they've been, particularly ICU staff, you know, like I, I happen to know a lot of guys in the military and stuff, and they're trained, you know, they, they, they tend to be uh, what you would call avoidant personality types. Mm. They bottle stuff up. They tend, you know, just to cope with it, you know, yeah. ghastly stuff they see. And this is true of ICU stuff as well, ghastly stuff they see and, you know, losing patients and so on. But you've got to crack on and do your job. You've got to get yeah. on to the next patient. And it can, the danger is it can feel dehumanizing. Mm. And so something like this, being part of a project like this, where you're actually reaching out and making meaningful contact with your colleagues, yeah. it's also a massive emotional release, isn't it? As Which... Several people said that they'd cried doing their recordings and have to yeah. stop and, and, and start it again. And you kind of think, in, in the nicest way, good. Yes. You've connected you know, you you yeah. you're in the moment. You're actually it's a physical thing, isn't it? This sort of emotional yeah. thing. But yeah, there were several people that, that said that. Yeah, and I think it's. Uh, I, I mean, I can think of this in terms of you know, 
in fact, the introduction to this show, I'm talking about uh, the connection between, oh, this is going to sound pompous at the moment, but transactional analysis, uh, mindfulness and attachment theory, right? Right. But but all of those things are about regulating your own emotions. Mm -hmm. And of course, people who are in that kind of profession, they're constantly having to regulate their own emotion. There's no, there's no place in their job for the for the inner child if you like no, no. to express it no, there's no time there's no time so a project like this again just a wonderful opportunity to do you know what i'm just gonna let it all out and yeah. allow myself to be that primary school kid in the in assembly at school you know singing their hearts out to the hymns or whatever it would be yeah. the christmas carols and i think that's actually a really important thing that we're all seeking some kind of balance in our lives yeah. Yeah. and the trouble is where for a lot you know these people in icu for what's well, been two years now it's like whoa not much balance there so i think that's a really important point that you've made there i I think the other thing is that uh you've not just been doing this for you know as you might say shits and giggles you've actually been raising money uh for charity Uh, do you want to tell us something about that because i from i I had a quick check it looks like you've raised well over ten thousand pounds eleven thousand pounds or something so far so do you want to tell the listeners about about that aspect of the project I mean, that's that's come from the Faculty of Intensive Care Medicine. It's this renewal project that is going to go. What the idea is that they are massively in consultation with their ICU staff and say, what do you need? Right. What What do you want? What What can we give you that will help you? For uh, at the at the moment, in terms of oh, I tell you what, we're just going to do some yoga, and you can all go and do that. I want to do yoga. I want to do something else. You know, and and everybody's got a, a different idea of, of what they need, and. Yeah. I mean, I have been quite, quite, we've got quite a lot more people in the WhatsApp group than we have actually got um, in, in the choir. And right. I do go in there regularly and say, if you're off work, and we all know what that means, that, that means that they're mm. off with PTSD or they're off with mental health issues mm. or massive, massive things. If you are off work, do not let that stop you from coming to choir. You can come right. with, your, with your camera off. You can call yourself whatever you like. Because right. quite honestly, I did a little, um, a little sort of straw poll with them and said, "How many people do you know in this choir?" And it's yeah. it's under five. Most people wow. only know about five people. Oh, that's so interesting. You can you can have some anonymity in there if mm. you want it. I said, please don't stop coming just because this is when you need it most. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, need, yeah. You know, and and you don't you know we do a breakout room, sort of a tea break, and people go in the breakout rooms or not. If you yeah. don't want to go in the breakout room don't go turn yeah. the camera off go and put the kettle on yeah. whatever it is it's got to work for, for, for each person mm. and of course they're, they're telling me they're singing at home i don't know what they're doing they could be doing anything they could just be listening <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? fantastic so uh this this fund that's been set up is literally uh this is uh an effort to give um a break a release for icu yeah. staff Yes. and it can by the sense so it could be anything by the sense so you're saying yoga lessons I, I don't know what, I don't I don't know what they've, what they've decided to do with it yet um right I that'd be really interesting to follow up actually yes, yes it would. if there's anyone who kind of works with the fund here yeah, do get in touch because we'd be really interested to know yeah. what kind of things you know is it all therapeutic stuff or is it daft stuff or is it all we're all going to go yeah. to Blackpool for the day you know uh it'd be really interesting to hear yeah. wouldn't it I think the thing is I mean, pe- people want to help 
you know, we all know that they're having a dreadful time. What, what can we do? What can we do? And I can't go and do a shift. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, yes. I don't think they'd let me loose on any patients. I mean, I was lucky. I found something that I could do that, yeah. that, that would help them. And, it, and, it's, and it's helped them long term because, you see, a, a song is for life, not just for Christmas. Oh. <laughs> I may have to edit that out, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Very good. Bravo, Carrie. Bravo, bravo. I think that's comment of the series so far, actually. <laughs> Very good. Um, now, um, so now's your opportunity to, how can ICU staff get in touch with you? I mean, where can they find you? What can they do oh, to get involved I'm, with this? I'm usually loitering on Twitter under Liberty Singer 73. Um, so they can get in touch, touch that way. What I'm, what I'm looking for at the moment is I've, I've got a hankering for a male voice choir, a workplace oh. male voice choir. I think... Oh. This is always the case. There are never enough men in choirs. And it's the same really? in all. Well, my community choir, just to give you some balance, has 12 men and 130 something women. I mean, it's, wow. not, it's not terrifying at all. <laughs> wow. Guys, get in touch. Get in touch. Um, we, did, we had Bring a Bloat Week a couple of years ago, which was, it <laughs> went down quite well. If you could find a bloke to bring, you got in free, so did your bloke. Um, but I, I think oh I think I think all the positive mental health benefits of singing mm. are I think some some groups of men are missing a trick with this because it's yeah. it's quite special. If you if you get a proper decent bass singer, I stood yeah. behind a load of them at some uh, John Rutter thing I went to at the concert. Hall. Oh, right. You can feel it. It goes yeah, yeah. through your body. The resonance is absolutely beautiful. So I'm I'm always on the lookout for. I've got two. I've got. I'm working at the moment with the blood and transplant service. Oh they're, wow! They're just finishing their six months. They're all online as well, because they're all across the UK. Mm. Um, and I'm working with the British Association of Dermatologists. Uh, in in exact, they've been working with them all year, and they're just wow. due to finish. So I have some openings for more, um, choirs, workplace choirs. Fantastic. Yeah. Why is it? Do you think that men are so reluctant to? join in maybe it is literally because they can be heard so when you've got so i've got this choir and i've got say i've got maybe four of them that are, are bass singers you can yeah. hear the men it's something to do with the shape of the voice box if you and i sang mm. exactly the same note it will sound yeah. completely different when you sing it yeah. so they can be heard now of course the sopranos and this is to do with the the shortness of the wavelengths in yeah. sound sopranos can be heard but they're all divas and they want to be heard. So <laughs> we let them get on with it in the Couldn't corner. Couldn't possibly comment, yeah. Couldn't comment at all. I, know. I always I talk about a, a cake in my choir quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. If, you're, if your cake, your main cake is your main tune, lovely. Uh, the sopranos, they're the icing. If you had icing the same depth as your cake, you will be yeah. sick. <laughs> so we don't need so much icing. Thank you, Sopranos. Then you've got my middle layer of altos, which is the jam, possibly yeah. buttercream in the middle. And then what I'm always looking for is the cake board, that silver thing underneath. Yeah. Them, they're the guys. Wow. I need, I need a cake board. Men, are you listening? I hope you're listening. <laughs> Come on, you guys. You are needed. It's like, <laughs> it's like your country needs you, that famous Kitchener, Lord Kitchener poster. Oh, it's, it's, honestly, I bang on about this all the time. I am so boring about <laughs> About male it's voices. Extraordinary. It's extraordinary because when you think of um, uh, something like 
opera, for example. Hmm. Uh, uh, I, I do a different podcast, and funny enough, I was talking to a guy, and he turns out, oh, he's got a real love of opera. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm not a massive fan of opera, but there are certain things I love, and I think it that dates back to, oh gosh, when was it now? It's a few years ago now, when you had the three tenors, oh, uh, yeah. were singing Pavarotti and uh, the other yeah, ones. I can't remember the name, <laughs> um, but. There's something magnificent about the sheer physical presence of yeah. those guys, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, and the quality of the voice. And there's some wonderful, wonderful tunes from particularly the operatic scene mm. that are deeply, deeply moving. And, uh, you know, to be honest, can only be performed by a man. I mean, it's yeah. one of those things where you know there aren't many divisions left in life these days but when it comes to music music of a certain kind there is this kind of division of roles but it's harmonious when it you know it works yeah. in, i usually have to context. sing all the parts when i'm when i and occasionally wow. i just just can't quite get low enough and i have to ring wow. up one of my friends in the ic i've had i've got purple dave who's in my community choir because he's below blue <laughs> and i've got chris goff in the icu choir and i ring one of them and go can you can you do this bit can you just sing this for me? I can't, can't, can't. Oh, bless. <laughs> well, you should have called me, was it yesterday or the day before, when a mate of mine rang me and he said, oh, my God, is that Barry White? Because oh, the cold lovely. had gone down in, yeah. right into my voice box yeah. and I was like a couple of octaves lower than I normally would be. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's kind of interesting. So that's, fellas, I hope you're listening here, that there are opportunities for you to shine in a that's good way. Cool. In well, a good it, way. And it's, not, it's not posh singing music. I think I, I try and yeah. stay away from the word choir quite often. So we are the yeah. whatever, whatever, Liberty Singers. It's not the Liberty yeah. Choir. Because yeah. none of it's none of it's sheet music led, and none of it's particularly posh. We sing anything yeah. from the Carpenters to the Killers, and oh, everything wow. in the middle. Wow! I think that's also important to make that point because, of course, the other connotation of choir can be like a church choir, yeah, something yeah. like that. It's always it's none of that. religious stuff, <laughs> right? We do so remove is... all the bad language from songs because we tend to sing at family events. So we right, do. Yeah. We take we take the swear, the unnecessary swearing out, which is sort yes. of you know, censor it slightly. Absolutely. Um, but, you, you can't know. really have beeps in the middle of, you know, groups. There's, there's usually another word that will go in there. I think there's one song we sing, <laughs> and we change it to a truckload of diamonds. <laughs> People, you you have to go and dis discover what we're talking about there. I'm not going to comment. <laughs> name that tune. Uh, name that song. <laughs> name that song. Now, that's absolutely fantastic. And obviously, you, I, I'll point out here and I'll put the link to you've got a, a wonderful website, actually, which, which you know, explains absolutely everything that's going on. And there's a link to and maybe you could provide me with a like a little clip of your every breath you take that I could yes. slot into this show, you know, okay. so people can hear what we're talking about. That would be really useful. Thank yeah. you very much indeed. But there's a wonderful website explaining everything that goes on. And it's a really simple website address, ladies and gentlemen, libertysinger.com that's really nice and simple you can you can find that and there's all sorts of information there and if you are you know a person who would qualify for being a member of the choir well there is there is the opportunity there there are the forms that you can fill in yeah. to apply to become a, a member of the choir um now so this is all fantastic and you've been doing all this stuff which is amazing and and you still look youthful to me. I mean, I'm not. I'm too much of a gentleman to <laughs> inquire about numbers, but you know, you look like you know you're, you're full of vim and vigor. And so, what 
what comes next? What what plans have you got for the future? Is it more of the same? Or have you got other big projects that you've got in mind? You think, oh, maybe I'll mm. give that a go. I've got one project in my little head that keeps reappearing. As I say, at the moment, I've got a couple of my workplace choirs that are sort of on, on their way out. So I've got space yeah. for other ones coming in. But what, what I'd quite like to do one day is take over, I don't know, the Royal Concert Hall, Nottingham, or the Albert Hall in London, wherever, and yeah. have have all of my choirs in one place wow and get them all to sing to each other and together and have a a sort of a a concert of liberty singers my christmas project this year is um i've rearranged two thousand miles by the pretenders um in a in a sort of a a lovely kind of two-part choral thing it might split into four as as it usually does just for a call and all of my liberty singers are going to be on that and that that will be should be about 200 voices wow i love the idea of kind of almost like the battle of the bands in the albert hall there going on i mean that would be extraordinary yeah it was it, it, it's that because of bringing together i've got a, a free carol concert coming out on the 22nd of december again for all my liberty singers and to say for a couple of those that's um, that's a good buy but they're already saying have you got anything else we can join so my community choir meets face to face but it also hybrids I do the um, <clears throat> Zoom and Room. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got people. I've got people at home. I've got some people at home who are uh, clinically vulnerable. I've got some people at home who are poorly. I've got some people at home who are nervous, and yeah. I don't want them to not be able to come to choir and to miss out. So, so they yeah. zoom in, and the microphone picks up the all the sound from the whole room. So it's not just me singing at them all the time, which is what it was yeah. pretty much when we were on Zoom completely. They feel it. And I have to explain to them, we'll, uh, suddenly there'll be a ripple of laughter about something. And I'll say, for those of you at home, <laughs> you have just missed Maxine, right. who's decided she does not want to stand next to the pinks. They're very, very, very high. And she has moved quite deliberately over and gone and sat with the greens. <laughs> and, so, and this work, and it's also for people, um, I did manage to pick up quite a lot of people who didn't live near me. So uh, on any one week, we have somebody dial in from Edinburgh another lady from the Isle of Man, somebody in Devon, and another one in Kent. Wow. <laughs> and clearly, they're not going to come to Nottingham every other week to come and sing yeah, with them. Yeah, yeah, But they're still very much a part of what we're doing. So there yeah, is yeah. always an option for me to, to continue that with anybody who's thinking, well, I'm not in the ICU, so how do, how do I join? Or if you're thinking, hmm, I would absolutely love to get my workplace to sing just because it would annoy mm. some of them. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, the, you, so you've got people kind of all around the UK. I mean, of course, what we're also kind of, it's its so obvious we haven't mentioned it. Technology has made this possible. Yes. You know, we take it so much for granted yeah. these days. And I think this is, I, I was involved in some stuff, you know, during the pandemic, which, uh, you know, at the time, oh, yes, well, we'll do that over Skype. We'll do that over Zoom. We'll do that over Discord or whatever, you know, one of these other things or Twitch or whatever. Yeah. And you, you just take it so much for granted these days. But actually, you have to kind of stop, pause and think, this is actually amazing. This is amazing it that is. this is possible. Yeah, I'd, I had tried online singing before, but written it off because I couldn't hear anybody singing back to me. So when we first locked down, um, I spent a week in a dark room uh, gnashing and wailing and bemoaning the fact that my business was going down the toilet um, before mm. I picked myself up and went, right, think, think around this. And we did it on Facebook Live. So oh, really? not only could I not hear anybody, I couldn't see anybody. 
And and Facebook Live is very hot on the copyright things. So yes, 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 yes. Luckily, for the last two years, I'd been recording our rehearsals, so we had songs of ourselves singing. But then within that, of course, we were making the same mistakes every week, and there was a a car going by at a certain point. So I wanted us to make progress. We then moved to Zoom on in the October, I think, and we had a couple of gigs that that we tried online as well. And we did about two, I think two sort of quiz nights I didn't kind of go mm. down that road but I then I developed other things so I developed something called the vocal coaching program which a friend of mine yeah, Jen Stanbrook helped me set up and it was like group singing lessons online with a recording and people signed up for sort of six weeks at a time and quite wow. a lot of people signed up for that I ran three of them um, and wow. it was it was it was enough to keep my head afloat financially yeah, uh, yeah. I ran music theory courses online which wow. was music theory for liberty singers so we're looking at this and it wasn't like that's an e and that's a g and that's that it's a which song which one of our songs is this look look at the gaps between the notes oh is that all it is so quite a lot of things Mm. evolved out of having to be online um Mm. it wasn't it wasn't without its challenges we did have a several issues of zoom doom there was one night on facebook live when it cut out three times and every time i went back and everybody re-logged in i was in tears by the end of it you <laughs> back i can't believe it <laughs> yeah yeah it can but be it, tricky yeah yeah it was it was it was a lot to deal with and i wouldn't say it was my favorite thing to do um yeah. but, but it served a purpose and it kept a lot of people um out of being very, very lonely. I think I did a, a little video once which went, my name is Kari and I run choirs. I used to run them in a hall and then the virus spoiled it all and now we're online, a virtual pivot. We keep our singers safe at home and yet not feeling all alone. We learn our harmonies, maintain community. On and on and on and on. And on. Bravo! Bravo! <laughs> I think I stood that on LinkedIn. I don't know what LinkedIn made of that. <laughs> Bravo! That reminds me of Victoria Wood for some reason. Oh, no, that was crikey! That's that, that's an accolade. Oh, absolutely, Victoria Wood. They're, they're late. I mean, people people outside the UK may have no clue what I'm talking about. Let me just say that sadly, now the late Victoria yeah, Wood, who yeah. was one of the most genius female comedians, not female, comedians, one of the most genius comedians, full stop, who has ever ever trod the boards. Extraordinary woman. Uh, sadly, lost to us. But she uh, she did a lot of musical numbers as part mm. of her act and. That song was one of them, I <laughs> seem to recall. Uh, and I suppose because you've got the, the, the Northern British accent as well, yeah. it kind of twang immediately. There we go. Um, actually, I know your neck of the woods reasonably well. I've actually got uh, half of half family in the Nottingham area. All right. And uh, I'm involved in uh, military history and wargaming and stuff. And the centre of the wargaming world, Games Workshop, is based in oh, Nottingham. Yes. I know Absolutely. Yeah. I know hundreds of people in Nottingham and uh, Nottinghamshire, and I've got friends out in Lincolnshire as well. So I know you're kind of neck of the woods. Mm. Um, Carrie, um, this has been an extraordinary conversation. I'm sure there's an awful lot more we could say, but I think I, I kind of want to sum things up here because um, what I'm most struck by, quite apart from obviously the amazing things you're doing with choirs and the fact that you're using this technology now to do things online with people who are hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And, and of course, there's no reason why you couldn't make it an international business if you want to. Goodness me, you know, so yeah, folks are listening. By at one point. <laughs> Absolutely. So folks, because I know I've got listeners in some extraordinary places around the world. So if you're interested in what Carrie does, get in touch with her because you know hey okay you can sort out some 
time zone problems. I recorded a podcast a couple of weeks ago with well, one guy was in New Zealand, the other guy was in Australia. So I was up at midnight through to half past two in the morning doing the recording, whilst for them, they were just about to have their lunch. Or whatever, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, but these things can be overcome. So get in touch. But Carrie, I think the, the thing that's really strikes me is how motivated you are how passionate you are about what you do and I think that that's you know you and you come across as a happy person I think that's fair to say whether how true that may be behind the well, scenes what, you know what, what what's not to be happy about I've got, I've got a lot of energy and a lot of love and a lot of passion for singing I give it all out to all these people and then yeah. I get it all back again yeah. and it's it's amazing. So all the benefits that the singers get, I get them too. Yeah. I, I get them more because I'm running more choirs. I've had five sessions this week. <laughs> I should wow. be asleep, I'll be asleep by five o'clock on Friday night. <laughs> so how? I mean, it, so for you, what you're doing has gives you satisfaction on a number of levels, yeah. and I think this is Absolutely. interesting because other anyone else who might be thinking of setting up any kind of group project or whatever. Mm. Of course, you know, when you first sit down and think about, oh, my God, it can seem overwhelming. It can seem mm -hmm. daunting. But for you, clearly the rewards make it worthwhile. So how would you classify? How would you categorize, if you like? Or how would you describe the kind of personal reward that you get from doing this stuff? Well, I mean, I work very hard, but it's not hard work. I get mm. to do exactly what I, I hear, hear a song on the radio and think, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, we could do that. I could definitely do something with that. And then I get to arrange it and then take it out and hear it back for real with real mm. people. Um, somebody sent me a challenge recently. To, do you remember Born Slippy? Underworld. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, can't, I mean, you can't make that into a choir song, can you? <laughs> oh, you oh. can. <laughs> oh, you can. <laughs> I managed to rope in four other people daft enough to, to follow my little dream. And we made this little recording of it, and it, it's it's amazing. I think it's brilliant. Mm. <laughs> and wow. the, the, the personal satisfaction there is, I'm I'm sort of, I love hearing voices together. Mm. Absolutely love it. So I'll go in the studio and I'll layer up my own voice. If it sounds okay, because I'm never yeah. never uh, completely happy with my own voice. Who is? If it sounds yeah. okay on the recording, it's going to sound brilliant when they do it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm fascinated by what they enjoy singing and how hard they're prepared to work. And mm. I, I, I poll them regularly on, on, on our Facebook group. Say, what did you enjoy singing this week? What, you know, what was it? And they go, oh, really? That one? Crikey. That was hard. And yeah. they, and they want it. And they, you know, I'm, I'm very, I, I push them. I push them out. Right. We're going to do this now. And they'll go, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Go on then. But I don't push yeah. them really, really hard. I don't nag them. I don't tell them off. Uh, mm. I'm not, I'm not rude or vile to them often. Um, <laughs> There was one evening when I said, oh, why don't you just sing what you like? Because <laughs> you're going to anyway. <laughs> we've been that song. But, you know, we, we've got this we've got this shared vision, and this shared vision is incredibly achievable. Uh, one of our yeah. favourite gigs for the community choir, we have a regular gig in a pub uh, locally, obviously not at the moment, and I've not got any plans to do that yet. I've just turned yeah. down all the Christmas stuff. But we all have right. this thing called the Prom in the Park, and it's 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 thousands of people, and it's us singing our songs with our choir and our friends to our friends and our family in our town. And it's, it's, yeah. it's incredible. It's, it's the, the, the best thing we do by, by a mile and they, they love it. That's fantastic. Cause the thing is I, what I'm recognizing, cause I'm, 
I, I'm a professional creative, and that's how I have to describe myself these days because I do so many different things. I, I used to say, oh, I'm a graphic designer. Oh, I'm a writer. Oh, I'm an editor. I'm a, oh, yeah. oh, now I'm a podcaster. Oh, and this and that. And I'm a professional creative. But the thing is, it's, I think this is the thing, and we, and, and we had a chap called Dan Holloway on the show a few oh. episodes ago who's a professional creative. We had a fascinating discussion with him about how and the satisfaction you get of just creating something that didn't exist in the world before and clearly this is what you're doing and the satisfaction you're getting where you have an idea you turn it into reality that thing didn't exist in the world before and mm. then there it is you know it's a yeah. single people can download or whatever that must be a big part of kind of the kick you get out of this there is i mean i, I would class myself as a professional joy spreader lovely and that me you can't really measure that you can't you can't see it, but i can feel it i can yeah. feel it among, amongst all my people and i can feel it when when they're talking to each other and and yeah. when they're singing I, I can hear it in their voices yeah. and that yeah. gives me incredible satisfaction absolutely amazing well, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about what you do. I'm still kind of gobsmacked by what you've managed to achieve there. And I'm I'm seriously kind of moved by what you've been able to give back to, you know, the ICU staff and the NHS and stuff. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Let's just remind people that your website is libertysinger.com and your Twitter handle was what? LibertySinger73. That's a bit of a giveaway, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So, folks, she's going to be easy to find. And also, of course, I'll put these links in uh, in the notes underneath the show. Thank you. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're and welcome. good luck with everything thank over you. Christmas and going forward. Thanks. <laughs> Don't forget to stay tuned for Relaxation on the Beach with Henry. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be well. to Relaxation on the Beach, number nine. So, by now you'll be familiar with how we get started. Make sure you're in a comfortable position. And relax as much as you can into that position, whether you're standing up, sitting down in a chair, or on a cushion, or lying down on the floor or on your bed. Just let everything go. You can have your eyes slightly open or close them. And as ever, we're going to start with a couple of really nice big breaths in. Pause at the top and then let them out slowly. So, you ready? And breathing in. Two, three, four, and hold. Two, three, four, and out. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and 
in, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Be nice and relaxed, breathing easily. Don't have to do anything special. Just focus on your breath. On that gentle in and out. And as always when you're meditating, accept the fact that at times thoughts may well pop into your head. It doesn't mean you've failed. It just means you're human. And all you need to do if a thought or emotion starts to try and wriggle its way into your brain, just observe it. Say hello to it if you like. Oh, hello. I recognize you. And just let it drift away. Come back to focusing on your breath. Okay? Now, what we're going to do today is have a think about speaking. How we hold conversations, how we speak to other people. And how we can perhaps try to be mindful when we're speaking to other people. This ties in with the introduction that I gave to this show. When I was talking about mindfulness. And also talking about transactional analysis and approaching problems as an adult or being secure when it comes to attachment theory. Okay, mindful speech. Obviously, we're social creatures. And unless we live very isolated lives, it's rare that a day goes by where we don't interact with anyone at all. Maybe you've got a family. Maybe you live with a roommate or... You work with other people, or you're in a relationship. And when you're talking with that person, you can bring mindfulness to what you're saying, how you're saying it, how it may impact the other person, and what your intentions are. And this just takes a few minutes, and you can use it any time. So you might use these techniques when you're talking on the phone or talking face to face with a loved one or doing any kind of social or indeed business interaction. Okay? So before you speak, just bring mindfulness to your intentions. Ask yourself, why are you going to say whatever you plan on saying? Okay? And if you sense that you're giving out any kind of friction or negativity, examine the possibility of saying what you're going to say with more kindness and more patience. 
And in fact, ask yourself whether what you're planning to say is timely or even useful right now in this moment. Okay. Perhaps it isn't. Some things are better left unsaid, aren't they? And as I was also talking about earlier in the program, pause. Are you reacting here? Would it be better if you gave yourself the time to respond instead? Would you be more likely to get a better response from the other person if you gave yourself some space to think about what you're going to say and how you're going to say it? Now, in conversation, obviously, we often kind of gossip or interrupt the other person or, let's be honest, sometimes we talk just to avoid uncomfortable silences, don't we? Think about whether or not it's actually the appropriate time to talk about whatever it is and what purpose your words will serve. If it's possible that what you're going to say will put someone else down or interrupt a person who's currently speaking or might actually ring as untrue, try reconsidering your choice of words, your tone, your timing. Will it actually do you any harm to let the other person finish what they're saying? Turn-taking is really important aspect of good conversation, isn't it? And think about how you'd feel if someone constantly interrupted you. Now this, I have to say, is often the experience of women in the workplace. That their male colleagues often interrupt them. So, if you're the kind of guy who doesn't want to be seen as a chauvinist, even accidentally, think about that. It wouldn't hurt you to just take a breath, stay calm, let the other person finish and then have your say. I think a lot of people see conversations as kind of competitive things, but they don't have to be. This isn't a university debating chamber. This is a conversation where you want to have a positive outcome. Give yourself the space to listen. Okay. And then when you speak, maybe it would help to slow down. Speak more slowly and be mindful of the words you're using as you're using them. Choose your words more carefully. And when someone responds to what you're saying, either verbally or just with body language, observe 
how that makes you feel. Remember that you cannot control other people. You cannot control other people. But you can bring mindfulness to your own response. Okay? And when you've done talking, when you've said what you need to say, leave the words be. Don't try to fill up any silence. Give the other person a chance to respond to you and listen to the other person. Truly, deeply listen. Pay attention to what they're saying, how they're saying it. Watch their body language. Okay? Let them have their say and then wait for the right time to respond and talk again. And what you find is, as you practice mindful speech in this way more regularly, you'll be more able to navigate challenging conversations more easily. Because the fact is, in life, stuff happens. Someone might inadvertently upset us. We might inadvertently upset them. And what we need to do is to calmly engage that adult within all of us. And calmly talk a situation through in a way that doesn't create more antagonism. We need to talk it through in a way that diffuses the situation. That means that we both can come away from that conversation feeling better about having had that conversation. It's not always easy. Of course it's not. And sometimes life throws stuff at us that means that there are difficult conversations to be had. But by holding that conversation mindfully and calmly... It means that difficult emotions are diffused and dissipated and we don't feel hurt as an outcome of that conversation. So now I'm just going to let you have a think about how you're going to next approach your conversation. Okay. Are you ready? We're going to end, as usual, with a couple more really lovely, long, deep breaths. So, breathing in, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and out, two, three, four, five, six. 
seven, eight, and in, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, and out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So breathe normally. Have a bit of a stretch if you like. Wiggle your fingers and toes. Gently open your eyes and get ready to go back to your day. Thanks for being here with me. I hope your conversations go well. I'll see you next time. Until then, be well. This podcast was produced by Henry Hyde. Copyright Henry Hyde. 2021. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing via your normal podcast player such as Apple, Google, Spotify or Amazon. You can also support the show directly via our coffee page at ko-fi.com slash inside your head, all one word. That's coffee.com slash inside your head where you can make donations in multiples of just £3, the equivalent of a cup of coffee. All donations are gratefully received and go directly to the production costs of the show. Thank you.